Uh, this is the last lesson in this series that we've been doing called uh, Faith in the Furnace. We've been looking at different paragraphs in First Peter uh, because Peter writes to Christians who are suffering for the cause of Christ and ex- talking about their difficulties and the trials that they are going through and trying to help them have the right frame of mind uh, to prepare themselves to continue to hold on to their faith through those difficulties. And I think the way that Peter ends his letter, when you are writing to Christians who are uh, suffering and going through difficulties, is, is very valuable because he ends by giving us one more important picture to keep in mind, and that is a, a picture of Satan. And I want us to notice this picture that is given to us in First Peter uh, chapter 5, and we're going to begin our reading in verse 8. First Peter chapter 5. And we'll begin in verse 8 where Peter says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This is an interesting way to bring all this to an end, where he starts by saying, you need to be careful, you need to be alert, you need to be watching, you need to pay attention, you need to be self-disciplined, you need to have a clear mind and have clear thinking because you have an adversary. You have someone who stands against you. And he uses such a vivid picture when he describes him as, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I don't know that we always have such a visual about the nature of the devil. Now, Peter does not say, now I want you to know your adversary, the devil, is like this cute, cuddly kitten. And, you know, he's really soft and gentle and you kind of want to rub up next to him. And that's going to be really fun. Uh, He is not described as a household pet, but one of the most ferocious animals you could have conjured. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It really hit me in thinking about that picture. I was able to take uh, my daughter Grace to um, Lion Country Safari a few weeks ago for Uh, part of her end of the year school. And and if you've ever gone over there, typically you'll uh, note that lions are awfully lazy and you rarely get to see them do a whole lot of anything. They're usually over in the shade, laying down, doing much to do about nothing. But we were lucky this one time that they were not only out, they were in two separate spots, pacing the fencing back and forth, and roaring back and forth at each other. And I've never got to experience that. It was just absolutely amazing. And if it wasn't for them behind gates and us in a locked car, it would have been far more terrifying to see these lions just watching each other. They wanted a piece of each other. They were just going back and forth, pacing, prowling, staring, and would stop and yell at them and then do it some more back and forth. And that's the picture Peter is painting about the devil. He's on the prowl. He is looking for you. He is pacing and ready to devour you at any moment. So that's why he would end his letter by saying, you need to be alert. You need to have your eyes open. You need to have your head on straight. You need to be thinking clearly because you have an adversary that stands against you and he wants to destroy you. He wants to rip apart your faith and he wants to make you suffer. 
And so Peter gives that vivid picture. Now, I want you to think about that idea just for a minute. Do you think Peter had a good understanding of this idea about the devil wanting to devour? You might remember that Jesus had something to say about that to Peter. That in this moment of crisis that was about to come upon Jesus and the apostles as this whole arrest and betrayal scene was going to unfold, you have Peter and the disciples all saying that they are going to be faithful to Jesus. They are never going to turn back. They will not forsake him. It doesn't matter if everyone forsakes him. Peter says, I will never turn my back on you. And this is the time when you have Jesus saying, you're going to deny me three times. And part of what Jesus instructs Peter was these words, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And I want you to hear the words of Satan has demanded to have you. That a chilling idea? That, that's the visual of what Peter is getting at. The devil is not a cuddly animal, but is demanding to shred you to pieces. He wants to destroy you. In fact, that's the idiom that's used there, that he might sift you like wheat. Is that here, what Satan is attempting to do is to take your faith And put it to shreds to show that you do not belong to God. And we sometimes wonder, well, why does God allow these things? Well, if you've read the book of Job, God's on the other side saying, no, no, he belongs to me and he's not going to cave in. And that's what you have happening in this little battle that's happening. Hey, Peter, I want you to know what's happening right now. You're going to go through a really tough moment. And Satan is trying to destroy you in that moment. But I'm praying that your faith stands strong in that moment. And so Peter would be keenly aware of this imagery to write to these Christians who are enduring suffering and tell them, you need to be alert, you need to be aware, you need to be ready. And you can imagine how true that would be because if you asked Peter, were you alert and ready? He would have said, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. It's what he told Jesus. I'm ready. I'm going to go with you to the death. Nothing's going to get in the way. And then the moment happened. And he wasn't ready. And he wasn't alert. He wasn't clear-minded. He wasn't prepared. And so you can imagine now as Peter writes to these Christians and he writes to us and say, to say, don't, don't do what happened to me. I know you think you're ready, but be ready. Be alert. Be prepared. So it's a beautiful picture that is being given to us. In that we are being shown to us what Satan is attempting to do. God is not hiding from us what's going on in this spiritual realm. But making it clear to us. The devil is part of our suffering. And is trying to use our hardships to rip us away from God. And to shred our faith. So notice now what Peter says we're supposed to do. Notice verse 9. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. Now, I want you to hear just those first words in verse 9 when it says there, he says, resist him. And I want you to think about how hopeful 
those words are. If you were to tell me, all right, you're going to go up against a roaring lion and be like, well, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to survive that. I'm going to be torn to shreds and I'm nothing's going to nothing's going to come of it. But notice that Peter says your your fate is not determined here that you're going to be destroyed by the devil. He says, no, no, resist him. And here's the thing I want to underscore. You can. Peter says we can resist him. And not only do I want us to think about that in terms of temptations, but I want you to think about that actually our context is about trials. That you are in the middle of suffering and what Satan is trying to do is to weaken your faith, cause you to give up on God, make you walk away. And here is Peter saying, you've got to resist that. That's what you see the next line when he says, how how are we going to do this? Verse 9, firm in your faith. Hold on to what you know. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't throw it away. I tell you, friends, in the midst of suffering, you're ready to throw it away, aren't you? You're ready to give it up. It can just feel disheartening. It can feel useless. It can feel pointless. And it is easy to want to not be firm in the faith. But here is Peter saying, hold on to that faith. Hold on to your salvation. Hold on to the truth that you know. Do not give up on what you have in Christ. But the way he underscores it is a different point. I I would want to explore a different point because like the writer of Hebrews, he goes a whole different way in talking about why you should stand firm in the faith and resist the devil and suffering. Listen to how Peter puts it, though, in verse 9. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. He says, here's what I want you to know. You can resist him and stand firm in the faith because you know that you're not alone. You know you're not alone. You are not the only one who is going through suffering. You are not the only one that has the devil challenging your faith. You are not the only one that the devil is throwing you into the wood chipper and trying to destroy you. And he says, your brethren throughout the whole world are having the same kind of experience. I won't make people raise their hands because I think I would have a, have a, have a, a quiet room. If I were to say, so, you know, how many of you do not have Satan attacking you in some degree right now? You know, (laughs) oh, yeah, he just totally left me alone for months and years, right? Every day there's something every day that's going on and is a reminder to us in this picture that we are not alone in our suffering. And as I thought about how he worded that, I I get to have a, a... fortunate experience that uh, many others don't get to have, which is I get to sometimes preach at other congregations. And there, one of the blessings of, of doing that, one of the benefits that comes from that is you get to truly see that there are other people in other places that are going through the same kinds of sufferings as you. And it is interesting that you can sit there in the pew and you can listen to them go through the announcements and they're listing about all everybody suffering and all of their problems and difficulties and failures and issues and needs and all of that. 
And when the last gospel meeting that I had was a larger congregation, and, and I did some lessons on hope there, and I can't tell you how many people would come up and share their story of how bad things are in their life and all the pain that they're going through. And it's so fascinating to go to these places and go, hey, guess what? I've got the same kind of people back home who are going through the same kinds of sufferings, just like all you are doing up here. And we're all together in this. You have Peter reminding us that we are not alone and we can resist him in this effort because we know that we stand together in this. And this is one of the pictures that I think that Peter wants to really underscore and drive into our hearts is that there are other people in this room who are going through the same kinds of suffering. Now, I want you to notice Peter does not say they are going through the exact same thing as you. That's not true. It's not exactly the same. Those he says the same kinds. You have the devil coming after you and there everybody else in the room does too. And we are together in resisting him and standing firm in the faith. And then you broaden out and think about in this county, in this region, in this state, in this country, all around the world, there are Christians who are having Satan attack them and bringing them suffering and they are resisting him and standing firm in the faith just like you. One encouragement that Peter writes here to remind us that we are all together in this. And I will just continue to remind us that's part of why God gave us to each other. There's a reason why he didn't say everybody stay home and read your Bibles and we'll call that worship. We need each other so that we can help each other and strengthen one another and say to each other, I'm going through suffering and the devil's after me. And we can raise our hand and go, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm going through hard things and suffering too. We come together for that very purpose. That's why the writer of Hebrews says what he says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We need to stir each other up to love and good works because we're going to get demoralized when Satan's trying to sift us like wheat. When he's trying to shred our faith, when he's going about prowling like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And at any given time, we're going to be tempted to give up. We're going to be tempted to not resist him anymore. We're going to be tempted to lay down our faith. And he's saying, don't do that. We need to encourage one another and share in our struggles as we look forward to the hope that God has for us. And I want you to notice the hope that he describes in verse 10. In verse 10, he says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to listen to the hope that he gives. I find the beginning of verse 10 very interesting. And after you have suffered for a little while. Anybody about that phrase? And after you've suffered for a little while. It's a very matter of fact way to put that. And after you have suffered for a little while. And here's what strikes me about that. When you are going through those circumstances, it doesn't feel like a little while. (laughs) It just doesn't feel like it's quick. 
It feels like it's always going to be this way. It feels like this is the new normal. This is the new permanent way of, of Satan trying to sift me like wheat every single day. Suffering feels like forever. Suffering feels like it's never going to end. The dark days of our pain swallow us up because we now feel like life will always be this way. And I want us to see something powerful about what Peter says is that after you've suffered for a little while is that this won't be forever as much as it can feel like forever it won't be forever and as much as that pain and that hurt and that suffering can seem like it's never going to stop there's going to be a time where it's going to stop And that's what we are being reminded of here. And in the process of reminding us of this, notice what what Peter says in verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and ground you. This is a wonderful hope in the midst of suffering. I want you to hear the promise that God is making to us through Peter. After you have suffered a little while, God has the grace you need to get you to the other side. That he is able to carry you through the hardship and the difficulty so much so that he says, I can restore you, support you, confirm you. I can strengthen you and I can ground you, establish you. Those are great pictures because when you're in suffering, you feel like you've lost all of those. I feel completely torn to shreds and broken. I feel like I have no support. I feel like I have no strength. I don't feel like I'm grounded at all. I'm tossing all over the place. And here's God saying, I'll give you the support you need. I'll give you the strength you need. I'll give you the grounding you need. I'm going to give you that support and restoration when I bring you through this suffering and through this difficulty. That God will give us the grace that we need for the moment. And I know, I know, in the moment, it doesn't feel like you have enough grace for the moment. And I think sometimes the reason we feel that way is because we look so far into the future. I sit in my day of difficulty and I look far into the future and say, if it's always going to be like this, I can't do this, I give up. And I want you to note that God never wants you to look at your life like that but always brings you into the right here and right now and says, I'm going to give you grace for the moment. I'm going to give you what you need to get you through right now. And I want you to remember that that's exactly what the Lord told the Apostle Paul. After describing, Paul describing this messenger of Satan who is afflicting him, he then says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Think about the picture. 
Why is Paul pleading repeatedly to the Lord about what he's going through? Probably because he doesn't think he can handle it. God, you've got to do something. Remove this thorn in the flesh. Remove this messenger of Satan that is afflicting me. And notice God's answer each time. In essence, I've got you. My grace is sufficient. To say it another way, you have what you need for today. You have enough for what you need for today. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is enough to get us through our time of suffering. God's grace is enough to get us through the time of hurt. And he's promised that he will restore us and support us and strengthen us and establish us. He is able to give us what we need to get us through to the other side. Time doesn't allow for long discussions about various personal life circumstances. But I know you can think about instances in your life, and I certainly can drum up two big ones in my life, where in the midst of those things and those trials and hardships, you will think, there's no way that God can fix this or restore or do anything with it. And God brings you to the other side. Now, the hard part is the other side is never what you had envisioned. <laughs> now, for us, usually when we're in a trial, our prayer is put it back to the way it was. And that's not going to happen. We don't get to go back to the way it was. But he's going to carry you through and bring you to this new place and give you strength and restoration and give you support and give you establishment for, for the, your very life. Verse 11, though, is very important with that. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Why is that so important? Why, why, why end on that, Peter? Why do you need to bring that in right here? Just to remind us that God has the power to do exactly what he says. To remind us that, yes, the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But guess who's in charge? God is. And we are reminded in those first two chapters of the book of Job that the devil is not doing anything that is outside of God's vision or allowance or awareness. The devil is not running around doing things and God wakes up and goes, well, I can't believe he messed up another day. What am I going to do? No, rather you have God in full charge and in full control. And the devil is not doing anything that is outside of the knowledge of God. And he has full rule over all of that. And we are able to trust him to support us in that effort. I mentioned this, I think, the last couple of times on the Sunday nights. I'm really really looking forward to the summer series where we're going to really get to explore that idea of the relentless grace of God as he takes you through hardships and suffering. That's what the book of Jonah and the book of Nahum are all about. Our summer in Assyria, as I'm calling it with these two books, 
We're going to spend some time really grounding ourselves in that picture of hope. But let's end with what Peter tells us here in in this paragraph. Four summary reminders that I think that are so important. Number one, we do have an enemy and we need to know our enemy. We need to know what he is trying to do. He is trying to destroy our faith and he's trying to destroy our faith through our suffering. And so we just need to have eyes open. He is a lion trying to devour us and he uses suffering to do it. And the book of Job reminds us of that. Where Satan puts forward that the only reason people on earth serve God is because God is good to them. And if you make their lives miserable enough, they'll all quit. That was what Satan's charge was to God. And God responds and says, no, that's not why they serve. They don't serve for the stuff. They serve because they love me. And so know yet you have an enemy and whose purpose is trying to destroy your faith. Number two, you are able to resist the devil in your temptations and in your trials. You do not have to give in to him. You do not have to obey him. You are able to resist him. And I want you to think about what Peter is telling us. We must resist him if we're going to win. If we're going to make it to this eternal glory and enjoy what God has promised to us, then there must be a fight. There must be a resistance. We are going to have to deal with this devil and he is trying to wreck us through the pain and through the hardships. And so instead of caving in, and we must resist him. And we must remind ourselves that God's on our side. And with God on our side, we do have the power to resist him. We do not have to give up. And we do not have to lose heart. Number three. And as you resist him. Remember you're not alone. Everybody I believe in this room would raise their hand and say. I'm fighting him. And it's a struggle. And he's trying to shake out my faith. You're not alone in the struggle. You're not alone in the struggle with the people in the room and the Christians across the state and Christians across the country and Christians around the world who are standing strong and dealing with their suffering for the cause of Christ. When you feel like you are alone in the pit, you are not alone. You have a brotherhood around the world who are standing strong in the faith. And finally... Your suffering will end and God will support you through the process to get you through to the other side. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you strengthen you and establish you. You have what you need by God's grace to get through today. 
Don't worry about how you're going to get through tomorrow. God will give you the grace for today. And God's made a promise tomorrow he'll give you the grace that you need. So just look at today and see how he is carrying you through so that you can make it all the way home with him. Don't give up. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, our suffering in this life can be so hard. We can endure so many hardships and trials and difficulties and loss and pain. And Lord, the weight of those trials can feel like they're truly ripping our faith apart. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us strength. Give us the support we need and the strength we need. The restoration we need. Give us everything we need in the moment to stand firm. Lord, help us to see our enemy. Help us to see how he is intent on destroying our faith so that we would not enjoy the eternal glory that you've promised us. And Lord, help us to see that the eternal glory is worth all the pain that we might experience in this life. Lord, remind us that we're not alone and remind us that we have the strength through you to resist him at every turn. And Lord, we pray that when our time on this earth is done and our suffering has come to an end, that you will bring us home to eternal glory. For you've promised you will wipe every tear from our eyes and that you'll console our hearts. And the joy of eternity would be worth it all. Thank you for your son that makes it possible. And it's through him we pray this prayer. Amen. We'll sing an invitation song and we invite you to come to Jesus, to come to the hope that is found in him. You had another 30 minutes, but you don't. Can you imagine going through suffering and hardships not with God? You're going to go through hardships and pain and suffering anyway. Can you imagine not doing it with God? God is the thing that helps us through. That's the only thing we could possibly depend upon for all the pain that comes in this life. So give your life to him today. Let him help you through so that he can comfort and strengthen you through all the pain and suffering. And can we help you in any way? Won't you come while we stand, while we sing?